Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that tackles your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I run a freelance web design and training business under the brand of Squarespace Queen. My name's Michelle Pratt, I'm a management development trainer and coach and my business is Dive Deeper Development. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about courage. So one of the first things that people tend to say to you when you go freelance is, oh, you're so brave. There's mainly for people who are not freelance themselves. And what they actually often mean is, you're so crazy. (laughs) But actually, it does take courage to go freelance and to stay freelance and kind of, you know, weather the ups and downs. So with that in mind, let's jump in with both feet and... Michelle, why courage? Yeah, it's it's such an important quality for freelancers, Katie. It's one of the first things I noticed when I went freelance. And I had the same thing that you just described, actually. When I announced that I was going to go freelance, a colleague said to me, oh, you're so brave, I could never deal with all the uncertainty, which is really fascinating because I went freelance to gain the certainty um, as well. So it was um, it is something you get a lot. I, I think you you have to be pretty brave to be a freelancer. So if that is you congratulations or that if you're thinking of doing that good on you because there is no set path to follow is is there there's no um no path there's no uh rule book lots of people will try and sell you courses if you've just turned freelance (laughs) they'll sell you advertising they'll sell you courses the coaches will be all over you yeah but um but but there is no no path to forest so you've got to just make all those decisions yourselves and of course it's all on you so uh if it goes well that's great that's your name in lights of course if it doesn't go so well there's no hiding it is just you to to blame if you want to look it that way there's also no guarantees either so none of us um are going to have a guarantee of income a guarantee of certain holidays a guarantee of certain positions we we have to be make it a success to get the things that we want and that creates a huge amount of uncertainty so whenever you are facing uncertainty i do think it takes a bit of courage to weather that storm as you say katie and 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 back yourself all the way Although we have said on previous episodes, and I think something that both you and I believe, like you mentioned it just um, a couple of minutes ago, is in some ways, I think we have more certainty and more guarantees as freelancers than we do as employees in some ways. And I think, yeah, there is a ton of uncertainty in freelancing. It's kind of a different kind of uncertainty, I think. Um, But I do think that we're kind of, I've used this phrase on a podcast before, I know, masters of our own destiny a bit more. And we're in control of what happens. And that probably is too much pressure for some people, that that kind of feeling of, oh yeah, it's all on me, like you said. But I do think that if you've got the right kind of attitude towards it, freelancing can actually be a bit more stable and um, a bit a bit easier because you've kind of got more control and rather than waiting for somebody else to tell you what to do. But yeah, it's still it's still really scary. Yeah, and I think to also to be successful um, as a freelancer, I think one of the mindset shifts that I probably didn't really appreciate when I first became self-employed is you've, if you worked for a company before, you probably had a process where products got launched or things got services got launched to customers by having a committee having lots of people in the lifeboat with you. You then had a project, 
then you had a terms of reference and then you had a clear project plan and then you iterated and you did lots of things and then people tested it and signed it off and then like six months later you've got a project you know a, 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 a either project or you've got a, a product and then you launch your product or service and then you cross your fingers that it's going to go the way you thought whereas i think as freelancers or the most successful businesses move very quickly they just put things out there they do rather than plan so there's some planning but they just do they launch they are very open to feedback they're very open to failure and then they just learn very quickly and reiterate and I think that takes a lot of courage just to put yourself out there be prepared to get shot down and corrected I think it's very humbling but that is the fastest way to learn is by doing and that's not how most of us were brought up we were told to prepare prepare for your exams study really hard plan really carefully and I just don't think that anyone could afford to do that these days yeah and I do think that certainly for our generation Michelle like the the path the kind of the 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 route that was plotted out for us through life never never even considered freelancing as an option and I think it's better now I don't think it's as good as it could be but I think it's better in terms of you know schools and universities actually getting freelancers in to talk about that as an alternative to going down a more traditional career pathway but certainly for me it was you know yeah go to school if you want to get a good job go to school do well in your exams go to university do well on your exams there but not too well because they want to see that you're a well-rounded person um, and and then you know after you've done that go and get a graduate job and have a pension and do all of this and I think it's it's really difficult to go away from the path that you've been kind of working towards either consciously or unconsciously through a lot of your life and that maybe still a lot of your friends and peers are going towards um like I was speaking to um a group of students at a university recently um just before um lockdown actually and I was talking about life as a freelancer and it was a group of translation students and um I actually did a freelance uh sorry I actually did a master's in translation um after straight out of uni and decided not to go freelance at that point because there was so little information about it the university had done a terrible job of preparing us for it even though the reality is if you want to be a translator you pretty much have to be freelance especially at the start but there was hardly any information. I didn't feel prepared. It was all too scary. And so I didn't do it. And um, and these students were kind of saying, even though there's more information out there, it still seems too scary. And they want to go and get a kind of proper job first to kind of get more established and have a, ease, ease themselves into it, I guess, um, bef- before kind of going for the, for the more kind of scary freelance option. But I just think it's really interesting that, yeah, like the whole group were like, we said at the end, oh, would you do freelance? And they were like, oh, we'd love to, but it's just so scary. And and so I think that's definitely something that if, if you've, you know, if you've not got, if you don't have the, I think, you know, we went, we went freelance in our thirties pretty much. Um, And so we had enough kind of life and job experience, I think, to trust our abilities to be able to kind of weather the storm and to do a good job and everything. I still don't know if I'd have gone freelance straight from university, even if I'd had more information 
like there is available now it's really interesting to think about yeah i i don't think i would have done so i'm great i am grateful of my corporate experience it, it gave me a lot of development taught me a lot about the world of business and that actually uh, looks very good on my cv so I, I wouldn't swap those experiences for the world i think the thing is a lot of um graduates don't have a choice in being freelance they this is the only way can, they can get their foot on the ladder but it's also really interesting as well that um when i took voluntary redundancy I took up the services of the outplacement service that were offered to me and did things like interviews and explored career options and they had a section for setting up your own business but they didn't have an option didn't have any support for going freelance and I said well that's for setting up a business but I don't really want to I'd like to work on a freelancer or contractor basis and they had nothing and obviously having worked in the L&D department I we had brought in many freelance trainers and I always thought that they were living my dream it's like yeah I quite fancy doing a bit of that now but there was there was really no way into it so I found Sharon Gaskin at the trainers training company she that's why she set up her business was to say no one teaches you how to do this let's support each other so it's really really um difficult and I've been watching it the world has changed since we're at school I'm watching some I don't think it's a young Bulgarian guy on uh, on YouTube and he's been like making money from side gigs like from from the age of 14 so he's kind of learned to be freelance yeah. from 14 and he just, first of all he's just mucking about getting a bit of pocket money you know doing faffing about with stuff on the internet but literally like he's 18 now and he's doing six figures a month just because he's he actually he actually quit his first year of uni to just to go full-time because he was really making a go of it so i think that mentality is changing yeah i think people's i think entrepreneurs are more visible now on YouTube and places like that where, where you know, young people can see it, even if they're not being taught it in school, they can see it through their other platforms that they're engaged in, like on Instagram and things. They'll see all these people who, have, who are sort of self-made as it were. Um, and actually I think in some ways doing it straight from school or from university makes a lot of sense because you've not got as much financial pressure. You don't have to think about mortgages. You probably don't have kids yet for most people to support and things like that. So actually it's a time when you, you know, in all likelihood, unless you've got a really well-paid graduate job, you might just be going into a fairly crappy low paid job to start with anyway. So you might as well get crappy low pay for your first year of freelancing or whatever, but working for yourself and building up your business so by the time you get to your 30s you're actually really established like you were saying that other person did as well so I think part of me would have loved to have done it I think I'd have loved the independence doing it from school I think the issue for me was actually that I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up for a long time and arguably I still don't um but I think it took me you know it took me a good you know well yeah probably 15 years at least to figure out what I wanted to do and so I'm kind of glad in that sense that I didn't commit to it but you know you're not tied to freelancing in one area for life but I'm glad I got to kind of sample from the buffet of different types of jobs first and then I could almost decide on what I wanted to do a bit like I guess that's the whole point of GCSEs and A-levels and uni isn't it try a few yeah. different things and then specialize but um yeah it's really it's interesting true. to think oh if I'd have yeah if I'd have been doing it now would I have gone into freelance yeah, and most jobs that you would train or study for don't don't actually exist. Uh, you know, aren't, a lot of the jobs that would be freelance don't exist. You can't train or study for, which makes it tricky. So, Katie, I think the other thing that I think courage is useful for is I think your brand potentially. So today we're going to talk about areas where it could be useful to, to flex that courage. I think if you're already freelance, congratulations. If you're freelance by choice, you have it. So we'll talk about a few areas where you can where it's useful to deploy it further or stretch it. But we'll also talk about how you can develop your courage 
courage as well. Um, and I, one of those, Katie, I also think is, is your brand. So um, you've obviously got some courage to to tread this path. I think if you can make that part of your brand and apply it to your brand, I think that really resonates with people as well. So it's a, it's a really useful thing to, to have and it's uh, really useful to develop as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that belief in yourself is, is kind of, it's, it's, it's basically, it's the reason that we have imposter syndrome as our first episode, because it's one of the biggest barriers that people have when they're freelancing is that self-belief. But I think that if you can believe in yourself and believe in your brand and establish a, a brand that really represents who you are, then that does take courage, but it can then pay real dividends. And we've, ta- we've kind of mentioned that in the past about kind of, you know, finding your, finding the people who, who resonate with you and who really want to work with your brand rather than trying to stay kind of vanilla and appeal to everybody is actually kind of build a brand that, that reflects what you believe in. But that does take courage, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it's really important. That's the the biggest area for freelancers for me is to 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 the courage to back yourself. So lots of people come out of the workplace or from school with some skills or some knowledge, but you've really got this to have this ability to to back yourself and believe in what you do. And we, as you say, there was a reason why our first episode was imposter syndrome. A lot of people feel like they're faking it until they make it, but that's really not what people are doing. The thing is, if you're going to be freelance, you can't. Um, always get that external validation or, or not straight away anyway so you've got no external guarantees no employer offering you that wage so you can't guarantee that the that the world won't change or that the customers are going to be there to begin with but what you can do is believe in yourself so I think it's really about uh, faith in your abilities faith in what you know faith in your experience and just really backing yourself that no matter what life throws at you you have those skills and those personality those qualities to actually weather any storm and I think that's the, that's the most valuable kind of place for me where you've got to have that courage you you can't have faith that there'll always be demand for a particular product but you can absolutely have the belief that you can can turn your hand to anything you need to and that for me is it's it, it, an act of boldness but one that I think all freelancers need it's, it's really hard to kind of to like explain how you can get to that point like if you're not there already when you first go freelance it's really hard to think of how you actually get there like Michelle just to kind of put you on the spot here like can you are there any ways if you don't have that level of self-belief but you do kind of want to be freelance is there anything you can do to to get that yeah, there is. I, that's a really good point, Kate, because I I did a few like online courses and things when I first went freelance, and some of them were things like pricing or finding customers, and they and then there'd be just this tiny snippet in a one hour webinar that would say believe in yourself and then they'd move on, and you're like, well, that's great, but if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be here, would I? Um, I think there's a few things we've suggested some on this podcast before. I think um review what you're good at so I think focus on your strengths so really take stock of what you know and what you've done and the experience that you've got another thing you could do we've mentioned is keeping a feedback log so keeping a spreadsheet or keeping a notepad of positive feedback that you get and every so often just go back and read to it so we've said in previous podcasts listen to your customers if they're telling you that they like what you do you could do it uh, continue to do it so I think uh, ways like that are really uh, important as well and of course the the final one which I think is the biggie of course is just to, as you say said earlier Katie let's jump in with both feet and I think if you want to know whether or not you're good at something 
do it and you'll soon find out. But if it doesn't go according to plan, you're going to learn pretty quickly what you do need to do. Well, we had a whole episode on failure as well. So there are three really simple ways you can develop that self-belief. But where you focus is key. Um, If you focus on your successes, if you focus on your strengths and focus on learning when things don't go according to plan, that's the mindset shift between someone who tries something and gives up or being a, a, a courageous freelancer. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Like, and you, and you'd know. The other thing is, as well, I think, is just making sure you understand the scope of your expectations. So, like, you know, are are you trying to believe in yourself as the best person in the world at everything? Well, you're gonna really struggle to do that. But could you convince yourself that, or convince yourself is the wrong way of phrasing it? Could you genuinely believe? that you know you are the best person at your service working with this particular type of customer in this geographical area yeah that's much easier to get your head around so i think you don't have to be the best in the whole world to believe in yourself that you can do a good job you just have to be able to believe that you're the best for these specific set of circumstances so for right now are you the best person for this group or not even the best, but do you believe that you could do as good a job as someone else for this group of people with this skill set? I think that's that really helped me um, when I actually focused a bit more on like my customers and my skills and what I offer, and then finding ways that you're different to other people as well. That really helped me. Yeah, and I think if you've got those qualities or if you're developing those qualities as a freelancer, you can make them part of your brand or you can make them part of the the way that you work. And I think sometimes that's where people work with freelancers as opposed to working with in-house people. I think in-house people are part of the status quo and they have a, a lot at stake to challenge so as a sometimes as an external person you can challenge a customer or challenge a, a client and you can come out and, and be heard in a way that perhaps an internal person wouldn't get away with doing and I know Katie sometimes I've been in front of groups and you know I've I, I'm gay and I've come out at work before um or I've I come out to clients pretty much on a on a regular basis so obviously it's not the first thing that comes up when we're contracting the job but um, I normally, you know, there's some social chat and I mentioned that I've got a wife and it's not about shoving it in people's faces. I don't go in waving a rainbow flag, although it would be awesome if I did. Um, <laughs> but actually it just comes up. But there are times when I've questioned, you know, is standing up and being heard the right thing to do? And um, but and I thought, well, you know, this is relevant. It's come into the conversation and you worry, is that OK? But then I've also been in places where I've spoken up about my values or what's important to me. And then months down the line or a year down the line, I've seen people in the workplace come out and you think, oh, that must be really useful for people. They've even said to you, look, it was useful having people who were visible because I knew it was OK. It was OK for you. It's OK for me. So sometimes when you use your voice as a freelancer, you can actually be a good example. And I, I've started putting the rainbow flag in my bio. I met, I was at an, a, a CIPD networking event and I noticed a guy had done that. And I said, oh, that's really interesting that you've that you've put those, those values or that part of your identity on your bio. And I thought, yeah, that's really good because you'll meet other good LGBT people. You'll probably repel some people who, you know, aren't so open 
but actually do you really want to be connecting with those people in the in in the first place so sometimes your ability to speak up on behalf of others which i do with diversity role models and i do with the albert kennedy trust and advocate for others yes it involves sticking your neck out but i think it alludes to certain qualities that people really value and i've actually got work because i've displayed those values so prominently people have felt okay to come to me and say michelle we've um, got some work with some clients who want to work on lgbt stuff or with women's development and we know that you're someone you, you've put quite clearly this is something that you've done work with or you're happy to work with we did we weren't afraid to ask you whereas otherwise people might be afraid to, to ask so i think definitely if you've got the courage to be to put your faith in yourself to go freelance i think you can take that one step further and how far could you push it and i think you could definitely do that to to add value to you and your business but also your clients as well katie yeah exactly because i think using your brand and your voice consistently well i mean just going back to the fundamentals of what does it mean to have a brand you know it's more than a logo it's it's how people interact with you in all elements of the service and the kind of business that you deliver it's you know you want it to be consistent and so if you're communications just sound really corporate and generic but then when people talk to you on the phone they get a very different version of you that's kind of confusing and it's not consistent for your brand so i think from a from a purely business perspective alone it makes sense to use your own values and your own kind of beliefs and everything else in your communications and as part of your brand because as a freelancer that's kind of your biggest asset is your brand which is you you know it's it's the thing that sets you apart like you say Michelle from someone who's you know from it for an agency where the person you work with you don't necessarily get to find out ever what they stand for and whether their beliefs align with your beliefs and I think that's something that you know we're we're finding at the moment like while we're recording this podcast it's during the uprising and protests around Black Lives Matter a lot of people are starting to take a stand around what they believe and some businesses are showing their hands you know and showing that they're not the kind of companies that you would want to do business with and some of it's surprising um we were were talking before there's a donut shop in Leeds that my sister and I loved and turns out it's run by a Nazi and so Uh, an an actual Nazi with the tattoos actual actual genuine swastika sporting Nazi um and so I think making a stand for what you believe and you know I'm not claiming to be an expert on issues surrounding race. I think a lot of us at the moment um, are, are kind of questioning whether we've done enough taking a stand and whether we have been vocal enough. And I think people are now, you know, taking the time to learn and get educated and everything. Uh, but but I've seen a lot of brands who I think are genuinely using their values and their beliefs to do good. Yes, there are some who are jumping on a bandwagon and are using it for a cynical marketing ploy, I'm sure. But I think I've certainly noticed that certain brands that I kind of either already liked and it's reinforced that I want to spend my money with them because they've come out, you know, and and showed their support for the Black Lives Matter movement and everything. Um, But yeah, I think using your, your voice and communications can kind of really help people to go, yeah, 
yeah, they get me. And nowadays, I think, especially with young people, you know, we've seen from the protests that that the, the younger generations, especially, and you know, I like to think that we're part of that generation too. We're, we're, we're super not. young. We're not. We're, we're not. not. We're not. We're not. But you know, the younger generations, especially, they care really deeply about justice and about equality and about sustainability and everything. And so, if if you have a particular element of your brand, say you're really passionate about sustainability then share about that talk about that and have the courage to to say something so i can't actually remember if we've talked about this on the podcast before but it's something i've spoken about quite a lot with my friend katya um or our friend katya um where where you know there's we've both been nervous about talking about sustainability in the past because there's a lot of sustainability shaming around oh you're not doing enough and oh no, actually that has more carbon emissions than this other way of doing it. Or, oh, what you like, you're buying from a sustainable shop, you should be buying vintage. And you know, there's all kinds of people who are really quick to judge and to criticize. And it can take a lot of courage then to actually stick to your guns and do it. But if you do that, uh, you were saying about putting people off, Michelle. I think if you can filter out the people who you don't want to work with, then that's doing you a favor. And, you know, yeah, if you, you have to develop a little bit of a thick skin to hear people's comments. But I think the other thing that we're, we're learning again because of the Black Lives Matter movement is that we all maybe need to be a bit more open and less defensive when somebody tells us we are doing something wrong. So I think, you know, when, when standing up for racism and talking about it as, as a white person, I've been scared of saying the wrong thing and because I don't want hurtful comments and so I've not said things sometimes and I think we're all kind of having a collective regret over that a little bit now and I think now is a good time to be courageous and to to say what you feel because I think people are really receptive to it and they can they appreciate you trying like I said before like if I saw a brand unless it was really tone deaf if I saw that they were trying to do the right thing and they were trying to educate themselves and they were trying to sort of come and, you know, actually make a statement, I'd still appreciate that. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's important, Katie. And I think some people say, oh, well, you know, don't get involved or like you say, say quite vanilla, but I don't, I, and, and, and do you know what? Some of these businesses, they will lose business. They will lose customers. And I think it takes a little bit of bravery, but as you say, you're the attract the right people and you're, you're attract people who are more loyal and the connection will be deeper. So I think that's, that's important. And like you say, I think courage sometimes is the courage uh, to be open to, to learning. So we talked about the courage to fail or make mistakes, but the courage to be to be corrected and receive feedback as well and i think as freelancers we in particular do that as part of our work and i think that's part of our character also like you say we've all looked back on times when we've we've had good intentions but not got things quite right um i know from my point of view i i've um I, we we held this stand at, at, in a diversity event at, at um, a place where I used to work and there was an invisible barrier around the LGBT stand. All the other stands people went to, there's a kind of invisible barrier because people didn't really know what to say and they were really worried about getting the acronym wrong. So the reaction was to just do nothing. It was better to do nothing and, and not get it wrong than it was to, to try in all sincerity and perhaps make a mistake and actually that made me feel feel really rejected um and that to me was probably far more damaging than people you know get getting a foot wrong so i think sometimes you know i've um 
look back at the ways that I've gone with good intentions, thinking I'm a support in a cause, and said something that's probably not that helpful to people, to, particularly with transgender friends uh, or with black friends. And you just think, well, no, you just got to be a bit open and be a bit humble and be ready to to listen. And I think that takes a little bit of bravery too to say I don't have all the answers, whether that's in your principles or your values, or sometimes to a client as well. Yeah, it, and even if you've messed something up, to actually be brave enough to own it and to say, do you know what I? I tried that and it, I really missed the mark on that. And I'm sorry, rather than trying to bury that, you know, and pretend it didn't happen or put a spin on it or anything like that. You know, we've seen with, with the you know recent government stuff around coronavirus and COVID and everything, we've seen the reaction from the public when the government tried to put a spin on things like Dominic Cummings's drip, trip up to the North and driving for an eye test and all of this things like, it's it's kind of like no we see through it and it just makes you seem disingenuous i think so i think yeah it's it's so scary to own up to mistakes especially if you think that you can get away without someone noticing but i think ultimately it's better to actually be upfront about it um ra- rather than just kind of have it hanging over your head as well like cause it's cathartic to get it off your chest actually yeah, I think customers thank you for it as well. And that's it. I think, again, as freelancers, we can say things that perhaps internal employees can't. And I do find that yeah. um, customers thank you. So all good coaches will probably ask a client at some point, how honest can I be with you? Or how challenging would you like me to be? And you try and gauge a response from that. And I think it's true with, with if you're consulting or offering a service, this is true as well. So quite often I've challenged customers about whether the thing they've asked me to do is really the right thing. I might think that it's, um, uh, I might think what they're doing is a terrible idea. And so you do it politely, of course, but I've, I think that I challenge them or I, sometimes I've been asked if I will do work and I've just thought, do you know what, this, this isn't the right thing to do and I don't think I can really, really support it. And I've actually had some, I've really dreaded and put off that conversation and they've come back and said, no, thank you. Uh, as an internal member of staff, I don't feel that this is right either, but because you're external and you've said it, now I can go back to my boss and agree. It's a terrible idea. So thank you for your honesty. But the thing is, you never, you never get the relief of until you hear the words, thank you for your honesty. Like, oh, why didn't you make this easier in the first place? Yeah, why didn't you tell me that you hated it too? And then I could have just gone straight to that point. But yeah, I've had exactly the same experience where um, an internal person has thought that something was a bad idea and um, but they've not kind of like showed their hand. And then I said, oh, I'm just not sure that's going to work. And they were like, yeah, thank you so much. But even when, even if they don't ask for kind of that level of feedback, I think one of the reasons that they're, paying you is because of your expertise and ultimately if you believe based on your expertise that something is a bad decision or if something could be done better I think you're doing them a disservice if you don't challenge them on it and you know the way I approach it with my customers is saying you know this is what I think based on my expertise here's why here are the benefits of doing it this way and the pitfalls of not doing it this way but it's up to them to decide if they want to take the advice it might mean that if they don't take the advice, I don't proceed with the work, but it's up to them to do it. I'm just there to offer them the advice. But it is scary if you think that they might disagree. It is really scary to have those conversations. But I think the more you have them, the less scary they become. 
Yeah, and, and for me, Kate, it's also, you know, I've turned down work, but I've really wanted to be helpful because I know the client's struggling and I've had to say no. And they say, or I've had to say, I don't have capacity. I really want to do this, but I just don't have capacity. And they say, thank you, rather than we've worked with people who have taken on too much and under-delivered. I really appreciate you for, for for being honest about what you can. Or just saying, no, this isn't my area of expertise. I could could do it. I honestly think you'd be better off with, with somebody else who, who has a more in-depth knowledge of this particular subject and again they thank you and even better if you can recommend someone else as well so i think sometimes that that the ability to challenge people but just actually be really quite quite blunt with them in a professional way it does your your reputation no end of no end of good and we don't like doing it like i say it's one of those where you have you you know you take a few deep breaths before you have the conversation and you probably rehearse it several times in your head but it is always better when you've got it out there as well so i think courage can definitely be part of your reputation and i think it can be part of your brand but i also that's quite tricky isn't it katie sometimes um especially when you're skint or you're desperate that's quite hard i think to be honest well that's it yeah i think that's one part of freelancing is actually the courage to make difficult choices and make sacrifices based on what your priorities are and kind of have the courage to actually stick to your principles and your values especially if yeah money is drying up then it's really really hard and i think it's it's about working i mean you know this is the the 99 problems classic it's about your why <laughs> it's about going back to what your what your priorities are and why you're freelance in the first place helps you to be able to make those decisions and feel much better about them and it takes some of the fear out of making those decisions but yeah if you're you know if you're turning down work or if you're deciding to stop working with a client or um deciding to stop offering a particular type of service if you have the courage to say no this doesn't align with what I want to do it doesn't align with my why then ultimately that frees up your time for more projects that will fit be a better fit and will get you the same or more money and that you'll actually enjoy because I found certainly with those type of projects where you know I've made that mistake before where I've taken on a project it doesn't wasn't a good fit and it ends up taking so much time and energy away from you and also away from your other clients and then your work for your other clients and other projects that you like suffers and so I think it has a knock-on effect and you know there's definitely like an opportunity cost to saying yes to the wrong work yeah and I think you'll probably like yourself a bit better for saying no as well whenever you do things you sell out and do things that aren't really you and you say yes when you wanted to say no then having the courage to say no uh, helps you keep this keep your self-esteem intact as well and then I think the other thing you know we'll talk in just a second Kate about how to develop your develop courage is it something you could be deflex but I think the other advantage we have as freelancers is I think most of us to some degree went uh, self-employed to be able to do things differently some of us were in jobs where we were fed up of doing the same old same old or just doing adequate we wanted to do something better or we had a set of principles how how things should be done and by being in charge we get a choice about how things go and I think it's also if you can use your freelancer courage and apply it to a good end I think you can flex that into an area where you can start to do things differently to how things are currently done and to change the the status quo and the norms as well Um, and I think that's really important I know that's a little side project of yours at the moment Katie 
Yeah, yeah. So I think I probably mentioned this on the podcast a few months ago that I was planning on um, launching a kind of online magazine. I'm air quoting magazine because it's not actually like a magazine. It's just a collection of articles, but magazine sounds fancy. So I'm calling it magazine. But that I basically have got um, six articles every month around that from different people including myself talking about doing things a bit differently or having different perspectives or just talking about things that don't necessarily get talked about that much that launched this month that's called own beat magazine just to get a little plug in there and it's been really nice because loads of people have got in touch to say like oh this is really cool like I didn't talk about this subject either but it's really nice to see it being talked about and oh, can we, you know, can I write for the magazine? And and it's it's been really, really lovely. Like it's been an, like much more, like I had massive imposter syndrome about it before we launched, um, but it's had much more of a positive response than I could have expected. And one of the things that I like is that it's kind of, by me reading other people's articles, that's helping me to be more brave to do stuff as well, because you kind of see, oh, these people have had the guts to do that. So there was one article about living off grid, um, one about listening to your gut in terms of moving from different cities. Um, uh, there's one talking about kind of taboo subject about having a bad relationship with a parent, things like that. And like a lot of these things really resonate with me. Like I don't have a good relationship with one of my parents. And so, and but I've never really talked about it in public. And I'm like, oh, okay, now she's talking about it. I'm feeling a bit more like, oh, maybe I can talk about it a bit more publicly. And I think just there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a good domino effect to you publicly being brave that inspires other people to publicly be brave and then they go on to inspire other people to be brave and it's just this like kind of nice cascade of bravery and so yeah I'm, I'm really excited about kind of other things that I'm going to learn and different perspectives that I'm going to see. And I don't imagine I'll even agree with all of them, but I still want to publish them because I don't, as, as long as they're not like awful, like awful people saying awful intolerant things, but you know, like different, I want, I want to see different perspectives. I think that, you know, doing things differently is kind of something, I think that's one of the things, one of the characteristics of successful freelancers is a willingness to not just go along with the status quo and do things like they've always been done and do things the way everyone else does. And sometimes it means making sacrifices and things, but that's, you know, so like one of the things we've done recently is when we moved, we downsized and we bought a cheaper house. Now, every single other person I know who's moving house at the same time as me, they're, they're going to a bigger, better, I'm quoting again, house or a more expensive house. And sometimes that works out really well and makes a lot of sense, but for us, we had the opportunity to spend less money, which meant that it took the pressure off us financially. And that was quite a different decision to a lot of people's kind of, again, the, the expected path through life is you buy bigger and better and more expensive houses as you get older and as your income increases. Um, but we just wanted to kind of make our money work for us elsewhere. So I just think there's lots of ways in which as a freelancer, you set your hours. If you want to work freelance part-time, work freelance part-time and get a job part-time. If you want to... You know, I mean, I, at the moment I'm planning my days around the tide times because I've got a window of opportunity where I can swim near me, depending on the tide. So I literally plan my meetings based on time tide times. So like, you know, that's the beauty of freelancing is you can choose how to do things differently. So Michelle, have you got any examples of you having done things differently that took a bit of courage? 
yeah, just it just ways you deliver service as well, not just how you live your life. So I, I did a interviews for, for some work to win some work and everyone else. I think a lot of trainers like to make out how different they are by saying, oh, I don't use PowerPoint, which just seems stupid to me. I mean, yes, PowerPoint is pretty awful. And yes, it's been over relied upon for things like presentations. Um, I actually think if it serves a purpose, use it. But I was in... Um, at, just sort of you have to sometimes we call them beauty parades we've got to showcase what you can do as a facilitator or as a trainer and um most most of the time you stood up but when I got into the interview room there were just two or three people there and I thought this is going to be weird if I stand and talk to them even though it's how I, I had rehearsed it so instead I said guys I, I think you know as, as there's only four of us I think I'm just going to sit down as I do this and I'm just because I can keep the same eye line and I can look you in the eye and uh, I think we'll do the session this way is that okay and they went they did that scary thing where they went do as you see fit and, I, and then I was like okay and then I did and uh, they loved it and they said you know what Michelle that was a bold move but you, you did it right and I think sometimes it's not just going against what the established order is and being contrary I just think that sometimes if we we may see things that allow us to do things very differently and I think that as freelancers we can offer a service or offer products that other bigger companies might uh, not feel brave enough to do because they've already got too much at stake so I think we can make that part of our offering as well as part of our brand so Katie let's just take a, just a few minutes but we've talked about areas where areas where you can deploy your courage or stretch your courage or use that innate courage I think freelancers have to further their businesses and to further the the needs of the customers but let's have a look at how we can develop it and I think it's really important to uh it's not a one-off thing and I do also don't think it's something that necessarily people are born with some are naturally bolder than others but I think that um it's definitely a muscle you can flex I don't know what you think about that Katie is it is it something you can learn or muster yeah I think so I think it's it's like any other skill I think it's kind of the more you do it the easier it gets like I or maybe there's others actually I think there's probably there's probably almost like a bell curve around how hard it is to be courageous in different situations because I think when you're a kid most kids are pretty courageous because they don't have the concept of like fear of what could go wrong as like we're as adults we would kind of do but I think you kind of as, as a little kid you're quite fearless and then you, when you become a teenager and I think in that in some ways as a teenager that's when you like start to get a bit scared about what other people will think and you're really conscious about what your peer group thinks of you and everything so you start to get a bit of fear but you're still teenagers so you're still a bit a bit wild and courageous and then I think as you get into your kind of 20s and 30s, you start to become less courageous because you start to be aware of all of the things that could go wrong. And there's, you know, start to be higher stakes like families and kids and mortgages and, you know, what better paid jobs and car payments and financial things. But also, yeah, like kind of your status pressure as well. But then I think after a while, it kind of goes back down again. As you get older, you just give less of a shit. And I think then, especially if you've been become more practiced at being brave during those difficult sort of 20s and 30s years, I do think that I feel like as I'm getting older, I just care less and less and less if people judge me for doing something my way. If I've done it with the right intentions, if it was my values, if they don't like it, I don't really care. And so it's that, I think you then kind of get less and less fearful because you've got more practice and you just kind of, not immune to bad feedback it's always going to be hard but I think you can kind of take it in a more 
meaningful way or just dismiss it without it eating away at you i don't know what you think about that michelle yeah it's the old quote isn't it that everybody wants good judgment good judgment comes from experience experience comes from bad judgment um and so sometimes it's only from making mistakes that we learn so yeah i think it's something you can develop so how can we develop it so i think there's a few things i think to begin with um I think you need to know your values. So if you want to show courage or you want to flex that skill as a freelancer, I think just knowing what your values and knowing what your principles are and perhaps even writing them down on paper. Uh, Katie, you did a manifesto on your website and I like that idea of just displaying those things, knowing them and displaying them really clearly on uh, to yourself and to others as well. So know what your values are because I think that will act like as a, com- as a compass when you're dealing with other people. If you're give it, presented with the decision that will allow you to readily know straight away is this for me or is it not and I think another thing you can really do to um, stretch your courage is to set yourself some big bold goals set some high standards about what you will and won't uh, stand for aim big don't uh, aim for what you would like as opposed to what you think you could achieve and set those standards set those goals be clear on what your values are and I think that as you're going step by step through choices or situations that they present themselves that would give you some um some guidance as to what decision you should make so you're not worrying about it in the moment and then once you've done that I think you should be the change you want to see in the world so don't ask for permission start to little by little every single day just think what little things can I do to put out into the world more of what I want to see and you may attract criticism or rejection for that but I think just doing that little by little every day can really help I think definitely what you're saying about the high standards as well is really important like like, you know, the, the, there's been a bit of a movement over the last couple of years against goals. You know, a lot of people kind of coming out and saying like, oh, here's why I don't have goals. I personally quite like having goals. I find they work for me. But I think what people are saying is the they don't have goals, but they have ways in which they'd want to deliver their services or they have, the, they have yeah, like standards. And so for them, if they, they know that if they consistently deliver at their high standards, they'll get to their goals what would have been their goals anyway. So if they've got a good process in place, if they deliver really high quality work, if they interacting with their clients and their community in the way that they want to, then the goals kind of come, or the outcomes I should say, come naturally. And so they don't necessarily have specific targets. It's more about the the process and the way of working, which I kind of like as well. So I think there's a place for both is the like, it's nice to have something tangible to aim for and know if you've achieved it and but I think yeah as well if you're kind of working in that way where you're holding yourself accountable and to quite a high standard that works and that's your standards not somebody else's standards either so it's not what you think you should be doing it's what is right for you and I think that's really important to differentiate because it again takes courage to to work to your own standards and be like actually yeah this is this is what good means for me. It might not be the same as what good means for you and that's okay. I think the other thing in terms of developing your courage is if, if you're scared to do something, think about the cost of not doing it, um, the cost of inaction. So again, talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, just because that is so prevalent at the time of recording um, and should be for a long time, I hope. I hope it's not just a flash in the pan and everyone then goes back to normal. But um, there was a tweet I saw earlier today, which I really liked from the Cloudwater Brewing Company. 
And one of their customers had sent them a really nice message on Twitter to say, I applaud your decision to stand up and to be heard and to do what's right despite the risks to your business because they've been talking a lot about being anti-racist and about what customers can do and helping to educate customers, which is really cool. But a lot of people have been like, oh, grumble, grumble, we just want to drink your beer, don't tell us how to live your lives. And so they've been kind of actually more active as a response to that. And their reply to this guy who'd sent a really nice message was, thank you, um, person. To be honest, a risk to our business in these times would be to respond to the question of, what did you do during the 2020 uprising and awakening of anti-racism with an answer of nothing? And so I think if you don't take the courage to do something, and it might be something to stand up for the people, it might be doing something differently in a way that works for you, but what would happen if you didn't do it? And I think that's probably more motivating. I think I think that's the thing, Katie. Sometimes we're scared of acting uh, or do the things that we'd really like to do, or we think we ought to do. But I think one way to overcome that is to think of it the other way. So quite often we think about the cost of acting. And as you say, to think about the cost of not acting can be a really powerful driver. So how will you feel after the fact if you don't say something? Or how will you feel after the fact if you do something? Or how would you feel a year down the line and you still haven't progressed things any further than you wanted to? And that kicking yourself feeling. So you can use that as a powerful motivator as well and I think if you've got those standards I think one of the things you can do to stretch your courage or to flex it is to practice defending your boundaries so I mentioned before knowing your values and I think to um to practice just in little ways bit by bit to defend your boundaries to stick to your guns even if just practicing saying no to a few people and in earlier episodes Katie we talked about um saying no in episode 17 and then I think we had an episode called could you just which was episode 39 we we discovered the different ways in which you can do that if you want some tips so practice defending your boundaries and sticking to them and, and also by the same token I would say practice blowing your own trumpet too so I went to a networking event and there was a lady there who said right um i'm here to teach you about networking and she gave us her talk and she said i want you all to practice the following phrase and say it to the people at the table with you i'd like you to say hello i'm a I don't know, web designer um and i'd like to say i'm an expert in and i specialize in something else so we had like hello i'm a, an expert in x and i specialize in y and she says i don't want you to think about it too much i just want you to speak the word out loud and say to everybody on this table go and meet them now 10 minutes off you go and it's true for a lot of us it did feel a bit weird saying i'm an expert in and i specialize in this but actually it didn't feel too bad by the time you'd worked your way around the table so even if you have to shut your eyes and grit your teeth uh, and just front it out a little bit the first few times definitely practice blowing your own trumpet that's a good way to stretch your courage as well yeah and and like I said before as well like you could always start small and say like you know I wouldn't say I'm an expert in all web design and I specialize in all elements of programming I you know I would say I'm an expert in Squarespace and I specialize in training in a jargon-free way like it's Again, find that niche where you're comfortable. And then perhaps if you you know, feel brave and you feel like your skills have kind of increased, then you can go a bit wider if you want to. But actually it's about finding that place where I, I personally think it's better to feel really confident talking about quite a niche element of what you can offer than to not feel confident talking about a broader subject area. Even if you think you might kind of appeal to more people, I think ultimately they'll see not just the, not just the confidence 
uh, and everything. But actually, the I think that's when your passion comes out as well. When you're talking about something where you really, really kind of feel that like affinity for it or or whatever. And and so yeah, I think start start small and then you can always build it up. That's what you were saying. Just stick to your niche and just go for that one. Even if it's just that one thing, just do it. And I think that's that's the thing. I think you can practice these sorts of things. So practice being decisive in your uncertainty. Practice um, being brave, even if you don't feel it, particularly in things like that. Um, but also I think you can practice rejection as well. So um, there's a therapist called Chloe Madanis and she was trying to help a guy who was scared of being rejected by women. And so she made him, she didn't make him, she, she told him that as an exercise, he should go stand at the bottom of an elevator um, sorry, escalator at a shopping centre and ask the first 10 women who come down the escalator if they would like to go for a cup of tea with him. So nothing too threatening. Now she knew that no woman in her right mind was going to say yes to some strange guy asking him for a cup of tea, but it was a fairly innocent request. And, you know, best case scenario, he got a cup of tea with the lady, got to meet someone interesting, but she knew that nine times out of 10, he'd get rejected. And the purpose of it was just to get him to practice really low level rejection. So they say you should practice your prices. You could also practice rejection and we mentioned our friend Katia she had a failure list and she gave herself a gold star uh, well she got a what did she, she got a silver star for trying scary things and succeeding but she got a gold star for trying things that pushed her outside her comfort zone and if she failed at them and that was again to expose her to to failure and to give herself a pat on the back for the act of trying so we can definitely it's something you can practice for sure I think and what she found was actually she really struggled to get the gold stars because a lot of the things where she expected to fail, she actually ended up succeeding. So I think that there's definitely a moral in that story as well. And yeah, just and you don't have to just do it in the work environment, you know, just practice, practice being courageous and, and trying and failing and speaking up outside of work as well, because the it's the same muscle you're building up. So it doesn't matter where you practice it, you know, just like if, if you practice certain exercise at the gym or in your back garden it's still the same muscle you're building up and I think that applies the same way to being courageous as well and I would say the other thing is just learn and listen and educate yourself again that's a hot topic at the moment rightfully so um but you know learn from other people how they're doing it and be inspired by what other people are doing and how much they're risking and actually when you see how much people some other people are willing to risk to put themselves out there, all of a sudden being worried that you might get a few bad replies to your Instagram post seems a bit less scary, I think. Um, Brene Brown is a really good person to check out, actually, if you're wanting to learn about kind of courage. And she talks a lot about empathy and I do think courage and empathy are kind of linked. And so um, she's got a really good talk on Netflix. She's got a few different books. One's called Daring Greatly. I can't remember the name of any of the other ones. Um, but she talks a lot about courage and shame and um, empathy. So yeah, go and check her out. That's Brene Brown. So on every episode, we always like to end by our, saying what our one takeaway would be. So if we had one, one idea or one practical thing that we could do around being more courageous, what would it be? So what would yours be, Michelle? Well, for me, Kate, we've talked about the different areas in of freelancing where it's useful or important to be courageous. So 
Um, I did a strengths profile the other day and one of my strengths came back as courage and I didn't think of it as being a strength and the whole idea is you can stretch your strength so for me Katie I think my takeaway would be find an area where you could use that courage you have as a freelancer and see if you could find one place where you could stretch it and flex it for your good but for the good of your customers as well and I think for me it would probably be the cost of inaction actually like that again that's really on my mind at the moment um but i think it 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 has it's something we've talked about before in a in a a work uh, freelance context as well like when we talked about the start of the coronavirus pandemic you and i both said michelle that one of the things we'd not done possibly because we were a bit scared was prepare some online stuff that we could have then kind of released out into the world quite easily at the start of the coronavirus to help people and to help our businesses as well. And so I think that's that again for me was really kind of like, yeah, actually I was putting that off because I was a bit scared and making you know excuses about time and everything. So I think for me it's yeah, it's kind of making sure it's thinking about how would I feel if I didn't do this and moving through the scary stuff to do it anyway. So as always, we'd love to hear from you. And if you want to tag us on Twitter, we are at 99problemscast. That's the number 99, problems, and then cast as in podcast. And of course, if you enjoy these podcasts, then subscribe wherever you listen to them to make sure you get the next one. And we will see you next time for another episode of 99 Problems, But A Boss Ain't One.